This is Slack and Slash Productions. Bringing you an extra special bonus Strahdcast, a fast cast. Featuring a very special, super secret sneak preview of Slack and Slash Productions' brand new podcast, Cinematic Omniverse. Marty, Marty, you made it. You made it. Great. I'm here. Your, your message was a little cryptic. What's going on? This is the big one. This this is the one I've been we've been waiting for all our lives, all my life, my life, our lives, everybody's lives, everything, all at once. <laughs> oh man, I don't know if I'm stoned enough for this, but I'm in. What do you got? All your questions will be answered, Marty. Okay, are you rolling? Are you roll roll tape? I'm I'm rolling. This is going in the record. Fantastic. All right. Welcome. I'm Scott Sharpley. It is uh, September 22nd, 9.07 p.m., and this is Cinematic Omniverse, experiment number one. Imagine. You like movies about gladiators? What if your favorite films each had a secret sequel? Or two. Or three. You had me at hello. Or five. Hundred thousand. Join Sagacious Cinema Meshuggah, Marty Schwartz. May the Schwartz be with you. And Uber Groovy Movie Goober Scott Sharpland. Great Scott! On their quest to prove that every movie ever made belongs within the same cinematic Cinematic Omniverse, okay? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it sells itself, right? It's just what it says on the tin. You, you know about the universes, right? You know about the universes? I'm familiar with the concept of the universes, yes. Like, uh, are, you're talking cinematic universes? Or just uh, yeah, universes yeah, yeah, in yeah, general? Yeah. Okay, no, cinematic yeah. universes, like like the Marvel Universe. We've got the Marvel Universe. Of course. The, the, the DC Universe. The Star Wars Universe. Help me out here. Potterverse. Potterverse, yeah, the Trekverse. Sure, sure. I think Sony's got, like, Sony movies featuring Spider-Man characters, Extended Universe, the S-M-F-S-M-C-E-U. The Smuffuffuck-U, yeah, of course. That'll take off like hotcakes. It doesn't matter, though. This That's not the point. That's not the point. The point is, okay. they are all one thing. Huh? How many universes? Just one? One! One. So you're saying that the Star Wars universe takes place the same overall universe as as the Marvel universe. Well, that's obvious. At the start of every Star Wars movie, it says, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So very Fair easy enough. to okay. accept that it's happening in the same universe. It's just, you know, All right. long ago and far away. Oh, uh, let's back up. Let's back up. We 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 have to back up. Go right from All the right. start. So uh, where do we start? What's the what's what's the uh, Iron Man of moviedom of the entire history of movies? Hmm? The one that started it all. The first the first movie to actually launch a cinematic universe, uh, I uh, would uh. say, would probably be uh, the beginning of the Universal movies, the monster yes. movies, so the early thirties. Yes, obviously, yes, because we start with Dracula. 1931, Todd Browning, Bela Lugosi, everybody knows it. And right. everybody knows Frankenstein, and everybody knows The Mummy, and everybody knows... The Invisible uh, Man. Yeah, and everybody knows that Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and yep. 
that the Invisible Man has revenge in the House of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. uh, and Abbott and Costello meet the killer, Boris Karloff. It's all connected. True. Okay, that's connected. Yeah, but yeah, how are you yeah. going to take a take a string from that? You're saying every movie. Yeah, You're oh, saying absolutely. Absolutely. We can absolutely. we can connect Dracula to like Midnight Run or we can connect it to mm-hmm. First Wives Club. You're saying all of that could be connected. Yeah, within let's the connect same it universe. To, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do it now. We'll do it now. It's uh, no, no. We'll do it later. We have to do things in okay. order. It's very easy to get confused, convoluted, start eating our own tails. Let's do things in order. 1931, right. Dracula, director Todd Browning. Let's talk about that first. We need a right. good understanding of that film. All right, I think it's safe to say for anybody who, who may hear this down the road, obviously there will be spoilers uh, for mm-hmm. the movies mm-hmm. that we discuss. Right. But, so but if, if you, you haven't, haven't seen, seen Dracula, Dracula yet... Dracula, yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe you're waiting until, you know, the 100th anniversary to see it. I right. get that. So, you know. Let's rip the Band-Aid off and tell everybody that Dracula is an immortal vampire who <laughs> travels from Transylvania to London in order to seek out new blood. And he is he ends up raising the stakes uh, a little too high. And then they get lowered on him. Correct. Okay. Uh, do you like it? Is it any good? I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite of the monster movies. I I liked Bride of Frankenstein. Actually, is one of my favorites. I don't know why that one stands out at me, but no, it, I think it always... it's a critical darling too. James Whale at the top of his game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I I think that's a fine choice. Um, and if I want something really scary, vampire wise, I'd probably go back to the German expressionist Nosferatu because. That, that one still gives me nightmares, and I didn't even see it until my 30s, so... It is super spooky. Max, spooky. Max Schreck plays Count Orlock as basically yes. a, a giant bat boy. But and, and, and that style of filmmaking, expressionism, influenced Browning's Dracula. Absolutely. A lot of those, those Germans uh, had fled to America either to build a great career or to get the hell away from what was going on in Germany. So you have people like Fritz Lang, who sort of did a crossover. It started to make some really dark movies, and the Universal directors were clearly influenced by all this crazy stuff going on. And and wasn't Karl Freund the cinematographer on Dracula? He was the cinematographer. He he was also the cinematographer on Metropolis, which uh, was one of go. the great German expressionist silent films, which sounds really yeah. pretentious and snotty to say that, yeah. But you know what? Those are the best freaking movies to see to understand how so much has yeah. evolved in, yeah. in cinematic yeah. history. And I think much of what you see on the screen in Dracula feels hokey now and over overblown but that's because not only dracula as a hungarian vampire you know bela lugosi's mm-hmm. quintessential dracula but but also all of that cinematography and all that expressionism they've just been exported and repeated and commercialized they've become basically halloween um, true yeah or yeah. even just weekday mornings watching Sesame Street and learning how to count. You sort of get uh, a lot uh, of Lugosi's uh, uh, influence uh, 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 on there. And so uh, 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 <laughs> by the time we get around to it, it's kind of it is kind of schlocky. But you got to see it through the eyes of the 1931 viewer. That's how you watch any old movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that works. I still enjoy it. It's it's creepy partly because there's so little music. And, and I'm not sure if they took all the music out because they didn't want to confuse viewers. These new talkies, you know, where people are actually right. speaking words. And then if there's music playing as well, then 
why isn't Dracula saying there is that music coming from you know like diegetics yes. and extra diegetic music they hadn't worked it out yet or, or... that could be could be there are other movies from around then that did start into the Hollywood lush scores but I think it was sure. also probably an aesthetic choice yeah. given given the content was supposed to kind of give you the willies yeah so it kind of augments that sense of tension because everything seems so so still do you think Bela is a good actor he seems so stiff um, and weird. Yes, and I and I haven't really seen him play much of anything beyond the the spooky, stiff, the stiff yeah. weird guys. Yeah. So yeah. could he do, you know, a corrupt cop, you know, on the beat or something? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but it's like you know, it's you don't, you don't have really to have, see him. You don't have to have range to be a good actor. You can do one thing really well. You know, we've yes. got our Christian Slaters. Yes. I think I think Bayless, uh, probably a better actor in his native language. He apparently barely knew English when he starred in Dracula and may have <laughs> memorized some of his lines through phonetics rather than fully understanding them. Impressive. Um, yeah, and then he never really bothered to learn in the rest of his Hollywood career, which is kind of impressive too. Mm-hmm. But he has charisma, right? He has, well, he has hypnotic eyelights. Yes, they did the makeup very well. You can believe this is a charming guy who's... Because he kind of just elbows his way into high society in London. Right, And no, sure. nobody really questions it because he's dressed nice, but it's he's also got, because he's got those eyes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got nice elbows. He's got really captivating eyes. Lovely he elbows. He doesn't have fangs. I don't ever think we see no. his fangs. Uh, and they keep no. all of the blood and biting off screen. So, in a way, even early viewers kind of had understand that he was all of those things, that he was the vampire, right? It was implied instead of stated. Well, uh, let's do some superlatives uh, right quick before we move on. Sure, let's do it. I was going to ask you what you think is the best shot in all of Dracula, the best single image, maybe. The best single shot, the one that sticks out at me is the one... Renfield is is there with the nurse, and then the nurse faints. And Renfield does this crawl across the floor that, to me, I immediately thought of Prince's When Doves Cry video <laughs> is crawling towards the camera. I thought, yeah, wow, yeah, even, yeah. This, this even influenced Prince. And I guess under your theory, if we can actually turn this into a legitimate theory, yeah. Purple Rain would somehow be connected to mm. Dracula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like which, I like that you're getting on board with this. I'd like to I'd like to know your your for you the best moment of Bela Lugosi's performance in this oh. film. Yeah, it comes from one of my favorite scenes, which is in the drawing room, and mm-hmm. it's really the confrontation between Dracula and Van Helsing. And you know, prior to that scene, he hasn't really had any challenges thrown at him. Dracula is totally in charge. He was in charge of Renfield. He's got his bitches back in the castle. And then suddenly, when Van Helsing tricks him by opening up a, I think it's like a cigarette case with a mirror in it. with a little mirror, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His his spontaneous recoil from that is lovely. And then you can see Bela, Dracula, change his whole attitude about Van Helsing. He's reassessing him. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's nice and subtle in a way that most of the film is not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> true true all right no i like that i like that it, his performance did really come through in that scene for sure which actor other than bela do you think was the worst in dracula the worst well my 
first instinct is to say, and I'm I don't I don't like uh, criticizing someone's art in you know yeah, unless yeah, unless yeah, it really well, sucks. That's why uh, we're here. And yeah, but nothing in this movie really stunk up the joint. I uh, I was going <laughs> to say Helen Chandler, who plays uh, Mina, because I. Uh, I've seen. I saw the movie a few weeks ago, and I thought I couldn't really remember much of anything of her performance. But I'm, I sure. then I remembered, really, the worst performance. Those people that played the villagers at the beginning of the movie, because <laughs> if, if you recall, we, we got uh, dude shows up and he's like, oh, "I'm going up to to the castle." To, yeah. to Dracula's castle, and yeah. uh, they get all, oh, oh no. This has never happened before. Yeah, don't do that. And mm-hmm. then they don't really give him any concrete reason why, hey, you know, you go up there, he's going to kill your ass. He's going to slice you open. He's going to bite your neck, whatever they're mm-hmm. afraid of him doing. They yeah. just, they're yeah. just like, yeah. no, no, don't go. And then he goes, and they're like, oh, well, he's gone. So uh, to me, I, th- I think that the people could have maybe sold that a little bit more. But that was, yeah. 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 That, that yeah. may have been the choice of Todd Browning as director to have them play like that which then makes me ask you what is the worst directorial choice that browning made in this movie yeah i get the sense that he was rushing through it a lot i I gather that they rented the set out at night times to a spanish language dracula that was filming at exactly the same time and so he probably he probably had to get off set and out of the studio on very, you know, quick, in very quick order. So I feel like a lot of the scenes are just rushed. And the final okay. scene is is one of the worst culprits. We mm-hmm. don't really, I don't get a feeling that anybody's really past these events. We get a little exposition tidying things up after Dracula has been staked in his coffin. But there's no mm-hmm. catharsis for me at the end of this movie. Nor is there a sense of the monster may return. Speaking of which... Yeah. Yeah. The monster did return, right? Dracula, we never saw him get staked on screen no. in this movie. No, we heard him mention that this is what you do, and yeah. then yeah. suggested that he did that, and we never actually see the visceral mm-hmm. act, probably for budget reasons and special effect reasons, and... Yeah. I mean, there yeah. wasn't really a haze code yet telling people what not to put on screens, but, you know, excessive blood and gore wasn't going to make it in the theaters and Probably in Duluth. Probably in 1931. Yeah, agreed. But I think that this is a breakthrough moment for the cinematic omniverse. Okay. Dracula didn't need to die at the end of this movie. In fact, he could have used his hypnotic eye lights to hypnotize Van Helsing and everybody else in the room that he was just going for a little walk and forget I was ever here. He could have talked his way, well, not talked his way out of anything, because as soon as he opens his mouth, you know, it's Dracula. But he could certainly just hypnotize his way through life after that. That's actually a good point. That that could, I know I've seen it in other, and I can't think off the top of my head where, but I've seen it in other vampire stories where you kill the vampire they dissolve into dust maybe i'm thinking of that simpsons episode that was a parody of the the bram stoker movie uh, from the early 90s but he could hypnotize van helsing into thinking this dust pile that is right underneath his stake in the coffin Mm -hmm. that's naturally what happened to dracula meanwhile dracula slipped out the back door okay no that's i'm with that all right well then i'm going to i'm going to pull that thread a little bit more we, obviously, we could we could say Dracula got away, and that's how he gets into these other Dracula movies that that mm-hmm. we've seen. But you're saying that if every movie is connected, would the thread that connects them primarily be the actors? Then 
Could be. Could we could we say that Bella Lugosi's appearance in another movie mm-hmm. is this same character in this same universe in a different story somehow? Yeah, I mean, you said yourself, Bela basically lurches and leers his way through uh, a career lasting from 1931 to 1957. He's he's Dracula, as far as I can tell, every time we see him. Name me another Bela Lugosi film, and I'll tell you if he's Dracula. All right, how about we go to his last film, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Maybe you want to hear more. Maybe you want to hear three whole episodes of Cinematic Omniverse all at once. Well, all you have to do is wait until December 25th, Christmas Day, when we will be dropping the first three episodes of Cinematic Omniverse all at the same time. You can listen at slackandslashpod.com, and you can also find episodes through your usual podcast providers. That's Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and basically any place you find Strodcast, you can also find Omniverse. And if you like it, then like and subscribe and post a review and tell your friends, especially on social media. Basically, whatever you can do to help us get the word out, we would love that. (laughs) 